Getting Better Healthcare is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our healthcare system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Healthcare, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our healthcare system as it exists and as it could be. For better healthcare and a better healthcare system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve. Welcome to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman. Broadcasting from the Getting Better Healthcare studios here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Well, on today's show, we're continuing our conversation on health services research with Dr. John D. Piet, professor of internal medicine at the University of Michigan and a senior research associate at the Ann Arbor Veterans Administration Center for Practice Management and Outcomes Research. John, welcome back to our program. I want to go back to an issue you raised uh, regarding patients' use of their treatments. I think this is one of the most fascinating aspects of, of modern medicine. You mentioned a whole bunch of reasons that um, patients don't take their medicine. How big a, how big a problem is, is uh, poor use of medication, what, what we call adherence to treatment? Uh, you know, it's, it's an enormous problem. It's, uh, uh, the number that is often quoted is that uh, patients take roughly half of the medication that's been prescribed. I think, frankly, that's a very soft number, uh, but there's no doubt in anyone's mind that a large percentage of the medicines that we think are going to be helpful to the patients um, are not actually ingested because the patient doesn't take them up to the pharmacy. Uh, they don't take them out of the bottle. They don't use them correctly. Uh, et cetera. So, you know, despite incredible advances in, um, in medical science, if patients don't take their medication as prescribed, it just isn't going to help them. Uh, and, and there's a number of reasons that they don't, and it's a huge area of health services research. You, you mentioned the cost of therapy and, and, and patients being con, uh, potentially concerned about risks what, what were some of the other reasons patients don't take their medicine? Uh, some of it uh, has to do with what's called health literacy, or patients' ability to understand what they're actually uh, supposed to do. And that's a huge problem. Uh, uh, often pill bottles are difficult to read. Uh, the, the prescriptions may even be contrary, uh, you know, inconsistent or uh, use certainly use words that most people don't understand. There was a study a few years ago that asked people um, uh, a simple question, simple to you and me. They said, yeah, the, uh, the instructions are, take two pills twice a day. Uh, how many should you take and when? And, and almost a third of the patients in that study uh, failed to get the correct answer. <laughs> um, so it just shows you, in a, you know, that this is a huge, just understanding and navigating the healthcare system is, Incredibly difficult. Many people with chronic diseases 
Um, in fact, the majority of older adults with chronic diseases don't just have one. They have multiple conditions at the same time. They have hypertension, they have back pain, they have depression, they have high, uh, high cholesterol, uh, they have diabetes. And so when you're navigating uh, multiple medications for multiple different health problems, it's harder for, it would be difficult for people under the best of circumstances, but when someone's struggling with uh, health literacy problems, limited education, uh, limited access to education from the healthcare system, and they're just simply sick, uh, this can be an insurmountable problem and leads to lots of difficulty taking medications uh, and adhering to those treatments. I get some the sense that some of my patients just forget, and I, and the reason I believe that is because when I'm on medication, I sometimes just forget. Absolutely, and then when patients forget, you know that 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 you know uh, opens up a whole another set of issues. What am I supposed to do when I forget? Should I take it twice the next time? Should I just skip that dose? Uh, you know, what do I do? Uh, and forgetting is a problem. There are some very simple things that people can do that can address uh, that and help themselves take their medication. One thing that they suggest is that people uh, work their medication taking into other routines in their daily life, like put their medication right next to their toothbrush, for example, um, so they can remember that at the same time every day they take that medication or next to their plate so it's ready for them for breakfast pill bottles or pill, you know, uh, containers that show the days of the week that you can put your medication in are very, very helpful to people. Yeah, I have um, one of those. Some people use bigger ones or beeping bottles if they have vision problems. All of those can really help um, with some of those very, very understandable problems uh, in our busy lives, remembering to do something like take a medication. How, how is it, adherence to treatment studied? Uh, study in a number of ways. It depends uh, on what the uh, what the goal of the study is. Um, I think you, what you, you, I'm guessing what you're asking is how would you measure that adherence behavior? Yeah, uh, I mean, patients are at home. The struggle is that you know if we ask people, they really don't know. I mean, they'll tell you often that they're taking their medication, uh, and they might be telling you what they think is true, even though uh, that's really very inaccurate. On the other hand, people often, you know, naturally want to shade the truth and tell you they're taking more of their medication than they actually are because they know that uh, that's what they're supposed to be doing. That's a very natural human tendency. And so self-report, you know, is one thing. We ask patients, um, you know, standard questions. But they do other things as well. Um, uh, if you're in a health system where you can uh, get the, the electronic data when, where patients are refilling their medication, you can track how often they're refilling and how many pills they pick up each time and use that as a measure of how much uh, medication they're taking. Um, some studies use special pill bottles or pill boxes that, that have an electronic chip that records every time you take off the lid. That's a very, very uh, a rigorous method uh, for measuring adherence. So there's a number of different ways people try to get at this problem, but uh, it, it certainly isn't easy. That sounds like a really uh, a Star Wars-y uh, kind of approach. So, so in some studies, they're giving people meditation bottles with computer chips in the caps uh, without telling the patient, huh, um, that they're being monitored? 
No, I, I wouldn't say that they ever do it without telling the patient. And in fact, though, you know, <laughs> as you might think, that's part of the problem. I mean, there's, there's been uh, apocryphal stories of, of, of patients coming back without any medication, just as they're supposed to. And when they actually read the data on the electronic chip, they see that they um, took the cap off in the parking lot and, and dumped all the medication in yeah. the garbage. So, you know, yeah, those sorts of things can happen. Um, if it's a research study, almost always uh, the patient does know that they're being monitored almost almost 100% of the time that that's the case. Which, again, you know, when you start monitoring someone, that changes their behavior. So it's really difficult to get at what they're doing in their natural day-to-day -day life when they're not in the context of a research study. Now, surely the patients who have bad diseases uh, are taking their medicines. You know, people who, if they don't take their seizure measures, medicines, they're going to have seizures or people with diabetes who are going to go blind or lose a limb or their kidneys, surely they're going to take their medicines. Yeah, unfortunately, that's really not the case. Uh, uh, it's sad, sad, but uh, it really is true that some of those patients often have some of the most difficulty taking their medications. Um, I was recently involved in a study of patients with very serious renal failure uh, that found that uh, a large number of them were, were failing to take a large number of their doses. Uh, these and are people whose kidneys are... for that. I mean, you know, the people um, uh, sometimes, not always, but sometimes people who have some of these uh, very, very serious chronic diseases uh, are in that situation because they had bad health behaviors, they had, um, uh, you know, health ha habits that were harmful to them over the long term, they have these health literacy deficits. Those patients are at high risk for getting chronic disease. So it's, it's really, when you, when you look at it then, it's no, not small wonder that their behavior doesn't change uh, dramatically when they get the chronic disease. And as I said, those patients are often taking maybe 10 different prescriptions at the same time. So the overload for them, the difficulty of taking all those medications, not, not even to think about the cost of doing so, it's quite a challenge. So... You mentioned this health literacy issue. You've mentioned pill bottles. Um, what are health service researchers doing in the way of uh, working towards improving patients' use of their medicine? Well, there's uh, even um, outside or more generally in healthcare right now, there's a big emphasis on what we call patient-centered healthcare and having, having practices develop what's called patient-centered medical homes, which means that it's a practice that's really emphasizing helping an individual over the long term and really doing things that that's the patient would say is in their interest. So a lot of the, the very interesting work in health services research is about how do we communicate with patients more effectively to learn from them and get their input as to what medications they actually want to be on in the first place. Do they understand the side effects? Do they understand the benefits to them? And given their understanding of the pluses and minuses, help that person make a decision that's right for them. And I think that that's um, a, a really important area of health services research right now. Uh, it's certainly not a simple one, uh, but that's one thing uh, that we're doing. And the other thing is uh, we, you know, we know that patients that have the most assistance uh, in monitoring their medication and education not just one visit for, with a doctor for 10 minutes every three months, 
But week to week, you know, in the community, those patients are going to do better. So there's a lot of work on using um, patient-centered health technologies uh, to communicate with patients via text messages, via smartphone, via special devices, via their computer, so that they have the information they need to cue them, to remind them, help them organize themselves around their medication taking, communicate questions, get the information they need, uh, and, and really do, again, what's in their own best interest, what they want to do so they can stay as well as, they, as possible. You mentioned this week-to-week monitoring. Are you saying that to, to get people to use the medicine better, uh, you would just see them for an office visit every week or something like that? You know, um, if we could do that, um, that probably would be very helpful to some people. There's other people that, unfortunately, that, you know, they have difficulty making it to a visit every three months. So if we even had the ability to see them every week, uh, they probably wouldn't be able to, uh, you know, coordinate their schedule and and come in because they're too sick. They have transportation difficulties. Uh, and, and that's just very, very expensive. I mean, we don't have the resources in healthcare to see patients weekly. Well, why it's more really it... about using technologies in a, in a smart way to communicate with those patients while they're in the community, while they're home, uh, through, their, through their cell phone, for example, so they can get the information and we can do it in a way that we can treat a large number of people with chronic disease that we have now and that are coming down the pike. So wh- why does this week-to-week monitoring, whether it's done in person or electronically, help? Um, Well, it helps for a number of reasons. First, uh, you know, studies show that when patients are in a medical encounter, especially when they're hearing something new, they'll often walk out of that medical visit and remember only half of what they heard at best. Uh, And, you know, as time goes on, you know, memory problems, confusion, all these other things make it even more difficult. So checking in with patients frequently, giving them information in small bits and bites is really, really helpful. At the same time, people's situation is changing. I mean, they might understood their medication uh, when they came out of the hospital, but now they have the flu. Are they supposed to keep taking it? Uh, they just got diagnosed with something else. How does that affect uh, this? So, so life is very, very fluid, and healthcare is set up to really deal with acute events after they occur. So having weekly follow-up is a way of changing that to a system that's really being proactive and uh, helping patients kind of deal in a proactive way with all of the ups and downs of life and all the ups and downs of their health and giving them information in a way that they can use it at the time that they need it the most. You know, I have the sense that bringing people in makes them, uh, forces them to use their medicine um, in, in the same way that a visit to the, to the dentist will make people floss their teeth, um, you know, for several days before the visit. And I'm not really sure uh, why people do this, but it seems like, well, my kids, you know, they practice piano right before their piano lessons, and, you know, they're really good about flossing and brushing right before the dental visits, that, that somehow the visit to the doctor makes people use their medicine in a much more profound way. You know, I, I, I almost wish I agreed with you, but I got to say, <laughs> on this one, we differ. I think one thing that we've learned from health services research and from behavioral medicine is we really can't force patients to do much of anything. Uh, they're, and, and they're in charge of their health care. They're in charge of their lives. 
And I bet there are some people that floss uh, before they go to the dentist. But I think there's probably a lot more that just get good at saying they floss before they go to the dentist. So we really have to change our perspective to, to one that really says, look, the patient is in the driver's seat. The healthcare team is there to help them um, and do what they really want to do, help them understand uh, in a real way and make the right choices for their own health. Um, the, the, you know, really trying to get patients to do it our way is, is the standard practice in medicine. Uh, and the whole idea of getting them to comply, we want a compliant patient, is the, uh, that's a whole model of saying the patient is passive and we're trying to just get them to do what we know is in their best interest. That really hasn't worked in chronic disease management. And if they do take their medicine the week before they come to the, to the doctor, but they don't take it uh, the other, uh, you know, 15 weeks before their next visit, uh, that's, oh, that's almost irrelevant. So we have to change our perspective, and we have to get the tools that really support that patient for the long haul. Dr. Piet, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners today? Um, I guess I always like to... Um, uh, you know, and a conversation like this by looking on a positive note. And, and there's a lot of challenges for people, and some of your listeners, no doubt, are living with chronic diseases. Uh, it's very, very challenging. It's understandable why people don't take their medication, given all the challenges uh, that we all face. But the good news is that healthcare systems are being reformed. We are using evidence from health services research and uh, new technologies that are available to help people with, with chronic diseases uh, do what they need to do to, to manage their condition at home, to live independently, and to live you know, lives that are as uh, of high quality and as long as possible. So I think it's a very exciting time in health services research, uh, and there's a lot of resources out there for people with chronic disease. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay. It's been a pleasure. This all just goes to show you how complex medicine is. Two weeks ago, we talked about what doctors bring to the interaction with patients and how their personality and characteristics contribute to medical care. And today, we're hearing that, you know, doctor making the diagnosis and prescribing the right treatment just isn't the whole story that... Patients may not fill the prescription. If they do fill it, they may not use the medication well. Even if they start on it and do use it, they may quit early. These are major limitations in our healthcare system because in addition to the system, we also have the people, the doctors and patients at the heart of it, and they are people. And a lot needs to be done to understand the psychology of healthcare and how it contributes to patients' outcomes. I've done a lot of research on patients' use of their medication. I have a book for physicians on the topic. If you want to learn more about how to have better healthcare, how to use your medicine better, little tricks you can do, and other aspects, I'd encourage you to get my book. Great Medical Care, the handbook for making your visit to the doctor better. You can find a link to the book on the Dr. Score website. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E dot com. The link's towards the bottom of the page. It's listed under the Dr. Score Resources 
section uh, where it says, Order our ebook on how to get the most out of your doctor's visit. I'll also provide a link to the book on the Getting Better Healthcare website, along with links for more information about Dr. Piet and for more information about poor adherence and the research being done to address the problem. Well, that's our show for today. Our beautiful theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli. Our show's been brought to you in part by a grant from Leo Pharma. Until next time, I wish you the very best of health. Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E.com, DrScore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Healthcare.